Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Modern Conservative Podcast, and I'm your host, Jonathan Harvey. Live, Andrew, believe it or not, in color. And uh, that's black for you all who don't know. Hey, I got a special guest today with me, and it's my friend, Miseris Alina uh, Erickson. Lena, how are you? I'm doing well. I love coming on with you, John. You're one of my favorites. <laughs> you know, I don't usually look at my screen that often. But when you come on, I just stare at it. You're the best politician, looking politician in the state and the sweetest and the nicest and the kindest and the best qualified. And for and for you guys that are listening today, yes, I do endorse my friend Alina. Alina, tell us what's going on in your neck of the woods right now. What's keeping you busy? Well, Bless Davis County's hearts. They, <laughs> they, I mean, no, I really do feel for them because they had one weekend to put a Davis convention on for county delegates and, you know, candidates. And, you know, it just broke into either spring break, Easter, state convention. So it was like they never, they just didn't have a good week, but it left all of us like two and a half weeks to really campaign. So uh, you're asking me what I've been doing in my neck of the woods, campaigning like crazy. It's been insane. <laughs> How's it, uh, how is it? Has it been positive for the most part? I think so. I think people are either really comfortable with what's happening or the people are, are absolutely not comfortable with what's happening. Yeah, I'm not seeing well, a whole lot of middle ground. So before we go any further, what district are you running? So District 18. This was Timothy mm-hmm. Hawk's seat. There's since he's not running again. There's four of us in the race, and uh, yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting to see what. How many happens. Republicans? How many Republicans? All of us. Really? No well, Democrats running? No, not as of yet. So, yeah. It's amazing in our states. You know, we have a, quite a few districts that that are unchallenged right now. And we are a Republican state, but we have Democratic problems. And it just that, that just kills me in this state. You know, I often wonder how in the hell do we get Democrat policy in a, a red state? One of the true, well, at one time, one of the only true red states, because st- Texas is turning slight purple right now, a little bit of lavender as, as we speak. So what makes... Utah unique, whereas you want to run for this office that, you know, which is hard to do in the state nowadays. Yeah, I would say, I would have to say that for me, um, when you're involved in the grassroots, when you've been involved Mm -hmm. in the community, um, you, I think I said this on the other podcast with you, you develop a love for the people that you serve. Um, I don't do things just because people say, oh, go do this. You know, I think it's a prayerful decision that I make. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a combination of things. People saying, we need you in office. We need your, um, you know, your principal position in office. And so between that, between the work I've done for the state, and it's like you build up to, you know, you have this work that you've accomplished and you've dedicated and committed to helping the community with. And then you say, now what? Now what? Do we sit there and keep wrestling with legislation every year and trying to understand and come together? Or do we have regular people run for office um, that are 
new new ideas, new fresh perspectives, and I think that's something that I can bring. So, you know, I uh, was speaking to someone yesterday about uh, a particular candidate who's running for congressional office, U.S. congressional office, and she was telling me that she enjoyed that conversation with him, and I said, "Why is that?" And she had stated that he he knew a lot about the national deficit. I said, I'm not impressed. And she says, why not? I said, because first of all, he needs to know about the middle class first and foremost, the white collar um, worker, men, men and women. I, you know, there's so many politicians nowadays that come from big corporate America, big law firm, doctor offices, and uh, they already have money. And they run for it. They'll spend a lot. For example, this particular person that I don't really have great hopes for, because he appears he appears to me as, as being a Romneyite, and um, but he's running with his own money. So my next question is: Number one, you you're corporate America. Number two, when's the last time you had a meal with the middle class? When's the last time, how long ago was it that you had a, you know, blue collar job? You know, they talk about things that are national, but they forget about the people that are running the grassroots, you know, the middle class, which supports this country. There's not enough, there's not a lot of talk about the patriots, you know, of any particular state, um, constituents that, you know, dig ditches or, shoe horses, you know what I mean? You know, politicians don't talk about the meat and potatoes. They talk about Washington, D.C., because it's easier to talk about because they can relate to Washington, D.C., because they've been studying. And then somebody from Washington, D.C. has been telling them what's going on and what to say. So what I love about you and Jason Preston is that we're all blue collar people. We don't come from millions of dollars like Romney, for example, like Cox, for example. You know, we don't come from millions and millions. We're self-made people, not necessarily millionaires, but self-made people. And uh, that's what I love about you and Jason, because I know you both personally. I know who you are. You know, I endorse your values. I endorse your intellect. Both of you. Love you both. And so I'm hoping Utah get the same picture that I do when I speak to you and Jason or we talk in person, blah, 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 blah. What great, fantastic people you guys are. So my next question to you is, in Utah, are you dealing with a lot of rhinos or you're dealing with a lot of, are you finding out that there's a lot of grassroots people that are for uh, our type of candidate, such as yourself? Well, first of all, let me thank you for all of your compliments. Um, I I will say that that's the beauty of what I do is um, just being a mom, a grandma, a mental health counselor, being able to counsel with individuals and families and couples. I see inside the hearts and homes of these individuals. And to me, that's, that's a perspective that not very many get to have. I think we have conversations with coworkers and friends, and we understand that. Um, 
but as a counselor, it's a unique privilege to hear how policies are infecting, impacting families. And that's, that's something I hope to represent and stand for is just the average individual who gets to converse with regular people all, all over the community with what their inside concerns and problems are. As far as rhinos or um, you know, those who abide by the party platform, um, if we are not taught in principle, if we don't understand what constitutes effective government that, that inspires the flourishment of individuals and their private capacity, <clears throat> then what does that mean? I, I hate to go into classifications of people because I, can th I, I think people can generally be well-intentioned, they can mean the best, but if they don't even understand what the party platform is, are we okay with the party platform? I know I am. I know I read it. I've read it several times. I had, I stand by it. Um, but if we're straying from those principles, then we start supplementing policy with opinion. One of my favorite examples is COVID. Um, I want to be the kind of politician because it created two classes of people. Those that were okay with what was happening and those who weren't okay. And if they weren't okay, maybe they were complying or maybe they were opposing it or maybe they were active or maybe, you know, they just mm -hmm. didn't, they just didn't compare or they just didn't care to say anything. But, um, and then there were those who were defensive and angry, right? So it created this division in society. I'm the kind of individual that would fight for the right of each individual. I'm the kind of person that says, no matter what side you fall on, my, my responsibility is to protect your rights as an individual. So it would be inappropriate for the government to come out and say, you cannot have a mask. You cannot get a vaccine. You cannot keep your kids home from school or, or social distance or reduce the capacity of your business. You have to do what I tell you to. And that's the danger. And so for me, that's, a, that's a, how do you win when, when you're on one side or the other of the spectrum? It's understanding that principle is right in the middle. It creates the success that individuals can be trusted to do what is best for them and their families. You know, speaking of speaking of COVID, I've noticed something of late that even though the CDC has, you know, backed off on mask and vaccine and all the other propagandist things they were spreading, as far as I'm concerned, uh, people still wearing masks. And this is this goes back, go back. I can even talk today. This goes back to what I had been saying all along. I don't care if you wear a mask, even now. Just don't think I need to support your fear because of your lack of education. So, but don't even get me going on CRT. <laughs> don't even get me going. But well, I, what? Well, I will say really quick, I never finished ans ans answering your question that you asked, and that was, you know, we have... I feel like my conversations with the delegates are going really well. For the most part, the ones I can get a hold of, they appreciate my position. They, they're, they're concerned. They got involved because they're concerned. I talked to a gentleman today that he flat out told me, I mean, he had an articulate list of questions to ask. Me. <laughs> you know, who would you pick? Mitt Romney or Mike Lee? Who would, you know, what would you, what would you be your position on this? And it was a long questionnaire. I'm like, these are good questions. At the end of it, he says, I just want you to know we disagree on everything and I wouldn't vote for you. And really? we probably spent about a half hour in that conversation. I said, okay, that's okay. I actually want to know your position. I want to hear you. 
I want to understand why you like Mitt Romney. I want to understand all of this stuff so that I can understand you better. And at the end of the conversation, he said to me, if you get an office, I feel like he said something to the effect of, if you get an office, I know I can have a conversation with you. I said, yes, you can. And what's good about me as a candidate is that I'm not into the Trump religion. What I mean by that is I can objectively look at any politician and say, I really like this and I don't really like that. And I think we should. When we start looking to any politician as our savior, um, Trump's going to save us. We need Trump. Like, no, it's it's the power in the people. It's being involved as a people. We shouldn't know. We shouldn't be so impacted by a president of the United States that it should even be on our forefront thought. So just me having that position with him was helpful because I was able to say, okay, not objectively or objectively, I could, I can ask you all, everything you told me about Romney and everything you told me about Trump, because he doesn't like Trump. What if what you read wasn't true? Could that be possible? And I said, because we don't really know we weren't there. And um, he's like, you know what? Yeah, you know, it could be. It could be because it's so anyway, I think when we have open conversations with people, when we see people as people and try to understand their their perspectives. I had a conversation with a, a trans the other yesterday at my cottage meeting. And um, he's biologically a male transitioning to, a, a, you know, what he views as a female. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to know how I felt about hormone. Hormones? Yep, hormone blockers okay. for minors. Okay. And I said, not before the age of 18. And so I gave him a half hour of time to hear him, to hear his concerns and perspective that when you're a guy that identifies as a girl and yet you have to go through puberty, um, that sets a disadvantage for the rest of the life. And yet at the same time, he said, there are those who really aren't born this way who fall into the sensationalism of a fad. And so what I came down to with him, and I stand on this principle, is a child has to be accountable for the decision, the life-altering decision they make. And the age of accountability in the law is 18. So to me, we don't want children to come back on their parents and be really upset with their parents for making a decision for that child for their life that would impact them forever. Um, or, you know, for the rest of their life. So, you know, um, for me, that there's two parts. Let me, re- I want to reply to something. Um, Becky Edwards, I know she's in the U.S. Congress, running for a Senate, running for a Senate. The problem I have with the Republican Party right now is, you know, when somebody can run for an office and she's out there telling people, Democrats sign up as Republicans and vote against to get Mike Lee out of office. To me, that's election fraud. You know, I don't care how you smoke the pipe. It's still smoke comes out both in. So my problem is, and we're, we're just going to let people do this and we're not going to do anything about it. Let's say, for example, they say you're a candidate running against you. Say, hey, guys, you know, switch your party, take votes from Alina, basically so I can win or Evan McMullen will win in that particular race. To me, that's election fraud. And the problem I have with the Republican Party, they think, whoa, 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 special session. You know, we're going to change this up right now because 
these people are so boldly right now saying things and you know it's counterfeit and we're doing absolutely nothing about it. That is not election integrity. That defames integrity when you start doing stuff like that. What's your thoughts on that? Well, 100%. I, I think we need to have integrity and be honest. You know, if you can't stand on your integrity and, and be who you are without changing um, for the face of the public or to sway things in your favor, then what do we have left if we, have, if we don't have our integrity? Um, <clears throat> I would say the same thing about the caucus system. So with a caucus system, I did not become a delegate and I did not stack my delegates because I felt like that was not fair representation. If I can't go into office and convince, convince the regular population of who I am, what I've done, and they can't decide to vote for me unobjectively, then what am I doing? I don't belong in office. Right. I, I almost wonder if delegates shouldn't be chosen because we seem to have lost some integrity because there are a lot of people that were in caucus that I don't think embraced the party platform. If you don't agree with the platform, you're in the wrong caucus. So maybe we need to. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we Ain't need to have. <laughs> maybe we need to have a, a drawing like a jury. <laughs> so. But it is sad that we have to come to this point where people have to cheat now to win. Basically, to cheat because their inte- their integrity and their platform, their personal platform, is so weak. So, but what bothers me is once when, when someone is saying it publicly. And there's no, there's no, no, what's the word I want to, recourse. Reservation? There's no reservation with it? They're just going to go for it. Yeah, just, I mean, what kind of crap is that? Here in the red state, and we hear that, to me, it's a trigger. To me, if I was Stuart Adams, Brad Wilson, or any other governor than Cox, it would say, no, we, we can't allow that. We want fair and truthful elections. The people get what they want. Not have it stolen from them by a bunch of fake and frauds, but we get what we want. So that's my thoughts on it. And I just want to get your take on that. And then secondly, you mentioned transgender. And the guy said, some of us are born this way. I get that. I mean, if that's the, the way it is, the way it is. But the problem that they forget, you may be born that way, but you're still born a male. Right. And you're still dominant over females. Hence the reasons why we don't want you playing in our daughter's sport, biological daughter's sport. I can understand. I can empathize you born that way, but it should not be excuse for you to think that would allow you as a man to participate in the sport that you're going to dominate. I sent a meme the other day on Facebook and there were three people on the podium. There was a male, six foot six. There was another male, six two. And there was another male, six three. First, second, and third place in a women's swim team. And so I'm thinking, this is all ridiculous. But the thing is, now it was a meme. I will say it was a meme. So, but what's your thoughts on transgenders participating in, you know, female sports? Well, you said it beautifully yourself. I mean, men's heart is 25% larger, lungs are bigger, bones are bigger, muscles are bigger. Um, I mean, you just look at Leah Thomas compared to the other women. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there, it's twice the size, like the arms and the, his height was so much taller. And so it's not, you know, women could never compete in guy sports. We just couldn't. We had to develop a league of our own. We need to protect women and their sports and allow biological males to compete with biological <laughs> with biological um so biological males can compete in either co-ed or with biological males that's and my yet, and that, i mean bruce jenner says it best he said uh i've been transitioning for many 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 years with you know with estrogen shots and other female hormones you've been taking and he says i'm still stronger than a natural woman and so and it's the honest to god truth so I just you know that these topics that are coming about today are topics that you guys are running for office are going to have to deal with. And they're coming steady and they're coming fast. And I think, you know, trying to get good people into office for Republicans and especially, you know, conservatives is going to be an uphill battle now because some of the stuff that I've seen in Utah that's going on, if it's happening here in a red state, one of the last true red states, um, it's going to happen, happen rampant across the country. So when you run for office, you know, speaking, of, I was at the Capitol this last session and man, I've never seen so many Republicans vote with Democrats. I've never seen so many Democrats have so much power, and yet there's only 22 of them in total. But they have a lot of power over the Republicans up at that Capitol. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, um, are you going to call out the bad boys? <laughs> well, that's a question. So I think we need to speak truth. I think we need to speak truth common sense. And I want to have good working relationships. We don't compromise on principle. And the, the idea is, is what is right is protecting females. And so in that case, it's having those conversations. If you have to provide the data, I know a lot of them are worried about this and worried about that. Um, in, in the case of this, um, um, he, he calls himself Catherine. In, in the case of that, when I was talking to him yesterday, uh-huh. I felt like, you know, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And I feel that this is a reality for you. And I can empathize, I can care, and I can want to help. But at the same time, we can't, we can't jeopardize an entire state's population of girls and what they can realistically achieve off of the feelings of a very few. And so my sons wrestled in, in uh, school and sports. And they went off of weight and size, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just common sense. My son didn't sit there and cry and say, you know, it's so unfair. I want to identify as a bigger guy. He had to face the facts. And the facts are sports. It is one thing that we compete and science should be part of that. And if you are, it's all, it's all a competition on biology and physiology. And so that's what needs to be taken into consideration. You know, Utah has been struggling with CRT. Mm -hmm. 
really struggling CRT. I mean, well, I haven't been struggling with it because I know what I believe in. Um, you know, I've said the Democrats have CRT and SEL, and the Republicans have SEP, SEP, socially, emotionally, politics. And the reason why I say that is, is because I watched six black people up at the up at the Capitol pushing CRT light. And there's probably 50, 60 whites in that building of and myself. Well, I actually I was online on um, Zoom. Totally against it. The problem with Utah is simply this. You get six black people in a room. These damn politicians get so emotional, get worried about calling racist that they passed a bill that everybody was against. This is why I call it socially emotional politics. They're worried about being called racist rather than protecting our kids for something that would teach future generations to be racist. Because CRT is about oppressed and the oppressor. Mm -hmm. That's literally what it's about. And classifying, dividing a population. And then you got Jackie, Dr. Jackie Thompson, who's been teaching CRT, implemented it. I call the CRT Underground Railroad, teaching teachers how to implement it in classrooms. She wrote a book on it. And I said to Senator Cullimore, I said, when you see this woman before you, do check your emotions at the door. Check your emotions at the door because we know why she's here. The bills are passing are gateway bills. You know, House Bill 244, um, House Bill uh, 248, which was Sandra Holland's bill. The name of it was School Safety Amendment. Had nothing to do with school safety. And it was another gateway. Now, we got that one we shot down. That we got shot down. But the problem is emotions. People go to the hill. They bring their emotions with them. And Stellan dealing with good, solid, principal um, bills, we end up with stuff, some of the things we're ending up with now. So what's your thoughts on CRT and uh, how it's been implemented or tried to be implemented throughout the state? So it's like you said, if we have, if we have people who are thinking emotionally and they're working on trying not to be the oppressor or trying not to hurt other people's feelings. It's the same thing kind of with COVID. Oh, got to do my part. Got to protect others, right? The, the problem is, is we never inspire a future generation off of negativity. We inspire people to be greater and better off of positivity. So if an individual has a very difficult life, but they don't overcome it, that doesn't encourage or inspire or promote anybody to follow that path. So what are we offering our children by saying you're an oppressor and you're oppressed? Is that an inspiration that we want them, that, that we want to give them? Is that going to fuel them to be the individuals that God sent them to be? I don't think so. I think we, we can encourage positivity by saying, 
you can be anything you want. Set your mind on it. If you can visualize it, if you, then you can create it. And in my counseling practice, I, I say that all the time. Have you thought about your ideal self and what that looks like? Some of my clients say yes, some of them say no. And I said, if you can't see your ideal self, that's a problem. Because then how do you know how to get there? Mm. So for me, why are we teaching less than what we should be? And it's the fruit of it that you'll see. I think the tearing down of the statues, I think um, the misunderstanding um, of our founding fathers, I think those kinds of, you know, the 1776 project versus the 1619, the differences are one is positive propelling, the other is you've got to be in into victimhood. You've got to be classifying yourself into something. And it's not inspiring. You know, I guess we don't have this problem so much so in Utah. Every election cycle, somebody is always called a racist. And that's usually the stain somebody's character, even though, you know, it doesn't exist. I mean, it's not true. Um, we see it every cycle. But in Utah, it's a little bit different. You really don't see that coming out because um, there's not a lot of blacks here that throw that kind of crap out. Now, you may have somebody like, I hate to say her name, but uh, Darlene McDonald. Yeah, I did say her name. And uh, I'm surprised she hasn't started yet. But I'm sure she will. But she can't do that Burg Burgess Owens because <laughs> he's black. And so, but every cycle, they start digging up dirt on individuals that, you know, they're tr trying to destroy, especially the Tribune. They'll come out with their hit pieces. Do you worry about that at all? I know you had mentioned earlier to me off offset that uh, somebody's trying to come after you right now. Do you see more of that coming your way? And is that kind of a put off ever running for office ever again? Because I may eventually run for office and I'm the kind of guy I don't care. I'll tell everybody, you know, I, you know, I was never perfect, not even perfect till this day. I think me being imperfect made me the imperfect, perfect person that I am now. <laughs> you know, it's not fun. I've, I've had people come after me um, and, you know, it's not fun. Um, but it's unfortunately part of the game. And you just have to understand that to me, I don't feel like I need to attack anybody because I'm confident in what I bring. And so to me, it's a reflection of them, not me. But also, I think we need to understand it's part of the game. When you're fighting a battle between good and evil, which is truth and lies, um, you just have to stand on truth every time. And hopefully the people will see it. But my job isn't to, you know, you want to make good friends and, and you want to have good working relationships. That's great. But the idea is, is that if I'm elected, I have one specific job to do. It's an oath I take to obey, defend, and protect the Constitution with complete fidelity. And with that, it's to protect the rights of the individual. So that's what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to represent my constituents here. Mm -hmm. You know, what are our needs? What are the real down-to-earth needs? It's not about what a lobbyist brings to me. It's about what does the community need and what can we do to really help our state? What can we do in our state, in our inflation crisis? What can we do to you know, wrap up the idea of, you know, our state motto of industry, thrift, self-reliance. 
what kind of resources does our state have that we could be more independent with and not rely on federal or Russian or China or whatever else that we're doing? I, I think getting back to some of those hard questions, really look at and say, what can we do to simplify? What, what can we do to better our state, our community, for the people who live here? So, Would you consider Utah still a really largely conservative state? I think that word conservative is thrown around so much, people don't even know what it means anymore. You're absolutely um, right. So to me, when I say I'm conservative, I mean that. And people are like, well, what are you, conservative? I'm like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't I be? Because a conservative means that you're protecting something. You're saving something, preserving something. And what are we doing? We're preserving the Constitution. We're preserving the party platform, the principles in there. That's what I'm elected to do. So if somebody says, oh, well, I'm a moderate, well, okay, that, that's fine. But remember, somebody who's elected is elected to conserve because of the oath they take. So of course I'm gonna be conservative. <laughs> but it's, but what people don't realize, you can be Republican, and but not every Republican is a conservative. And some people don't understand that because I personally don't, I don't identify as a Republican. I'm a conservative because I believe in the constitution, the bill of rights, preserving what we're trying to conserve that keep us free. See, that's what I believe. You know, this is how I got into all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you, you fight for what you're trying to conserve. And, you, and people say, why are you trying to conserve certain things like the Constitution? Well, I have children. I live in the great country. I've lived in the country that the foundation was founded and built on two pieces of paper that's been changed several times. But now, and it's still not perfect, but no one has have came up with a better way of doing it. Mm-hmm. 240 years later, it's still around. If I did my math right, 200 plus years, you know, it's been around and it works. Mm-hmm. It works. And this is why, you know, I speak on the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. This is why you do what you do. You're running for office to help preserve what we think needs conserving. So in Utah, I come to find out, though, when I first came to Utah 26 years ago, 27 years ago, it was really a conservative state, more so a conservative state, even though then Salt Lake City was ran by Democrats. Now, I don't understand that in this state. I do not understand why our city state has been blue for 40 years. I can't. I'm sorry. Our city hall has been blue for 40 years. I don't understand that. We can win every chair in the, in the state but Salt Lake City. And um, now, one of the problems I'm having with Salt Lake City right now, they're not bringing in industry. So when you go up to Washington and when you win, I mean, to Salt Lake City and the cat up on the hill, and when you win, this is what I want to ask of you. Find out why Republicans can't win Salt Lake City. Now, I actually kind of know why, because Salt Lake City does not bring in industry any longer. They bring apartment buildings. Everything you see that's been built in Salt Lake City is for them. The new high rises that they're building, is 29 stories high, the tallest building in Utah, it's for them. They're looking at the change, the color of the state. And they started with Salt Lake, and now they're going to branch their way out. 
So we need to come up with some kind of bills, you know, that will keep uh, <laughs> Democrats out of our state. <laughs> well, Maybe we should, well, they have to have a passport to come here from now on. That's the passport <laughs> we actually need. <laughs> well, okay. Let's let's take it one step further. If you're going to vote, maybe you need to have a quiz on what the platform is. <laughs> <laughs> or you can't register. <laughs> so you don't get a passing grade. But, I mean, don't you think that's fair? You got to I mean, you got to know what you're signing up for. That's the right thing to do. <laughs> um, uh, well, if you come from California, for example, before you can vote, you have to live here at least 10 years before you can become a Utah citizen. So we can deprogram and help them. So, or deport them. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what's the reality, though. I don't fear the Democrats as much as I fear those who pretend to be conservative. Because... Right. You have, you know, too many people, oh, they have an R by their name. I'll just vote for them, you know, and that's not always true. Again, what are the values? How do we know where they stand? What is their fruit? By the fruit, you're going to know them. Um, I do consider, though, we have to look at our state and the massive building that's happening in our state. And I'm a little concerned that, like, unless we start drilling for water or something, how do we, how does our infrastructure support the massive growth that we're having? I mean, that's curious to me. You know, there's a $40 million bill that was passed to work on great, the Great Salt Lake. Where the hell are they going to get the water from? I know. That's what I said. How you? How is $40 million going to put water in that lake? Yeah, where are we going to get the water from? We don't have enough water to fill our normal aquifers. So where are we going to put salt water in salt water? We can just dilute it now and just... Low to salt concentration, eventually it becomes fresh water. Not likely. But uh, $40 million on a lake with no inlets, and where are they going to get the damn water from? And this is what, to me, this is what it's about. Construction. Feeding the pockets of whoever gets this, this, this job, this detail. And I'm sure it's going to be a friend of somebody up at the Capitol. I know who sponsored the bill. Brad Wilson sponsored the bill. And he that is a contractor. Yeah, huh? Real estate might be an uh, interest there for him. Exactly. Um, and I'm thinking, well, $40 million worth of work has got to be done. Somebody's got to do the work because I'm like every single body. And there's even representatives that I spoke to, but they voted for the damn bill and would say to me, where are we going to get the water from? How do we fix that? But you voted for it. Ah, oh, these people just well, drive me that's, nuts. That's what really bothers me. $40 million, that's our money. That is your money. That is my money. We have a, net, we have a state crisis of inflation. People don't know how they're <clears> going to pay their bills. They keep trying to work. They keep trying to catch up, and they can never get ahead. So what are we doing spending money on a Salt Lake? that we may not have, what could be better? What could we use that money better for? I'm not suggesting putting it into the hands of individuals, but I am suggesting that instead of investing 40 million into the Great Salt Lake, maybe we need to look at industries, jobs, growth, as far as that goes to support um, incomes for, for families. I mean, we have, we have great resources in the state. And as much as I wanna love and protect the land, and that's important to me, 
we have to ask what price we're paying by the federal gov government owning 70% of our state. What mm -hmm. price are we paying by importing oil? What price are we paying by importing rare minerals from like China? Utah has 28 out of 35 rare minerals. That's pretty darn valuable. And I, I would say, why don't we tap into that, figure that out and see what we can do? Let's explore that idea. Well, listen to this for a second, though. You know, we had a $3 billion surplus. And I was talking to somebody who was, a, as of eight months ago, was in the house. I called a month to do it. I need to talk to you. I have an idea. I said, why is it that the Utah state government can't give a billion dollars of that $3 billion back to the people? Because the people are the state of Utah. The capital, those idiots, those people up there are spending money. Or have, are, it's already designated before it's been voted on where it's going to go, like the $40 million. Why is it they can't kick back down to the people? So if the state's profitable, profitable, why can't the people be profitable? Why do we need to get a they, people get a, I don't get taxes back because I have to pay every year. <laughs> but the, those that are getting tax you know, credits every single year, why can't they get a surplus credit? A percentage of the profit of the state? We don't need all of it. Mm -hmm. Throw it back into the economy. Let that money go and work itself back into the economy. Tax that money. Let that money grow. Instead of crapping it over in a crappy salt, the Great Salt Lake. You know, that's this is the kind of stuff that bothers me. Why is it they can't think about the middle class? And this is what goes back to what I had stated earlier. They don't know the middle class. When you give back to the people, the people will have more respect for you. But when you take and you just piss off the people's money, because they want to spend it, it doesn't go well. It doesn't go and, well. And it's also, you know, I, I truly believe that the, that the power of our great country was never, was never, the genesis of it was never in powerful government. It was always, the power of our great nation was always formed from the incredible people. So if we can set people free to be the entrepreneurs, then what can we accomplish? I, you know, this is a mental health perspective, but I look at Maslow's um, mm -hmm. chart, hierarchy chart of needs, you know, that, that flow chart. Mm -hmm. And the very bottom is your basic needs for food, shelter, warmth, you know, so your survival needs. And there's about three or four in-betweens until you get to self-actualization, which is you're living your highest self, living what your mission is, um, you're achieving top capacity in your life. But you cannot graduate from level to level and reach that unless those former needs are met. That's the philosophy. And so the danger of keeping a population down where they're just trying to pay bills, put the next mill on the table and the grab a next paycheck is they will never rise above that. Think about that. Families who are under a lot of stress, the next level is love and security in their relationship, feeling love and secure. So if you're seeing so much stress at a, at a basic level just to survive, it's going to um, impact the ability of those close connections, which then impacts children and the next generation. And it keeps going up. 
So, however, the danger that the government has is that the more people who experience self-actualization, that's kind of threatening to a government because mm-hmm. it creates powerful people. So that's, to me, going back to the Declaration of Independence. You have this beautiful document full of principles. And I never understood what it meant to save the Constitution. What does that mean? Like, so many people feel like, oh, my constitutional rights, where are they going? How do we save it? Is it through a politician? Is it through electing somebody like me? Am I a political savior? I I don't think so. Would I stand for principle? Yes. Would I compare every bill to the Constitution and make the best decision I can in that moment? Yes. However, the power of understanding how to save the Constitution is formed in regular people when they know who they are. The founding fathers knew who they were. And they challenged Britain and said, you know what? We are creations of God who gave us rights. And we create government to protect those rights. And that order always needs to be respected. I want respectful dialogue. But if I'm elected, I agree to subjugate myself to my constituents. I agree to serve them. I agree to put them before me. And that's the attitude that we need to have. We need to remember the power in the people will always be when they understand who they are and they are free to grow that amazing capacity that individuals have. You know, one of the flaws with politicians in Utah when they go up to the Capitol, I think one of the requisites needs to be they need to know how to read. None of them read their damn bills they sign. Do you want to know what one of the first bills I would want? What's to put, put a cap on the bills that come through. If you can't read it, if there's too much, <laughs> like if us grassroots can't keep up with it, they certainly can't keep up with it. Exactly. And that's, this is how bad bills get through. Mm-hmm. They pack it with a bunch of pork and a bunch of BS that these guys don't want to read. And then, as a matter of fact, I literally had somebody say to me one day, I said, look, I called him, look, I don't want this bill to go through. He says, uh, which bill is it? I told him which bill it was. He says to me, what's in it? I said, a bunch of BS. He says, you don't want it to pass? I said, no, I don't want it to pass. I said, none of us want it passed. And it didn't pass because I didn't have time. This is the day of the vote. I didn't have time to tell him what the bill was, but I told him of the, of the bill. And so fortunately, that bill didn't pass. But the problem is when I spoke to a lot of these guys, they don't know half the time what the bills are signing for. They look at the name, like, for example, Sandra Holland's bill. It said school safety bill, school safety bill, amendment. You think it's, oh, it's a nice, warm and fuzzy bill to protect the school. No, that's another gateway for CRT. So. And this is why we are in, a, you know, in the stage of wrecking that we are now, because these politicians do not read the bills. And that's the only reason why I can't be a politician, because I can't read. <laughs> or maybe that no. should qualify me. <laughs> no, this is also another problem. If the regular people can't understand the bills, then we need to simplify. It needs to be yeah. clear and less ambiguous. It's like Donald Trump said, now, I didn't vote for Trump either, but I do like his, I did like his policies. Um, when he said the tax rate, he says, one thing about the tax bill that needs to be reta- reformed is actually the actual 10, 1040. He said, you should be able to get it on a half a piece of paper, 
how much you made, how much you lost, and how much you have to give to the government, and that should be it. And so, and it's true. A lot of things we do today, we take the long, we take the long way. Well, Melina, we have about a minute left. I know I've rambled enough today. And uh, tell the people what you want to know. Well, hopefully you've heard a little bit about me. I am genuine. I deeply care. I love the people of the state and the foundations, this great foundation this country comes from. And I would be more than honored to represent um, the state and to do everything I can to secure principles of liberty. And I will say I endorse Alina. She is a friend of mine, and I will make that transparent. But nonetheless, she's a great human being. She's in this for the fight. She's in it to win. And when she wins, we wins. So I'm going to tell you this. Also, look at my guy, Jason Preston, running for United States Congress in 3rd District. Um, so you guys take care. Enjoyed it once again. Check me out, the Modern Conservative Podcast on Facebook. My name is John Harvey. I'm your host and closing of the Modern Conservative Podcast. Love you all. Thank you.